Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Amen. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. We uh, have some people who are sick and not able to be here this morning and uh, some have COVID, some have flu, some have uh, strep throat, uh, so all that's going around, stomach viruses and all that, but I am glad that you are here in the house of the Lord, and we want to remember all those that aren't able to be here this morning, and uh, our prayer list is climbing right on up. I got one this morning uh, from Sister Ruby Lester that she is uh, having a lot of pain in her hip. And she just needs a touch from the Lord. Let's remember the James Blankenship family. Uh, Sister Tennille and her family are all on the road. And Sister Tennille will be having a procedure on Monday in Lexington. So remember them. Let's remember Renee and Ashley Stiltner. Coach Kim Dotson. Uh, Edna Working Family. Annie Thacker. Sherry Taylor. Pam Lambert. And uh, let's remember all of these that uh, just need a touch uh, whether it's a spiritual, you know, there's people that need spiritual touches. And there's people that need physical touches. And there's people that just need uh, to be encouraged. And uh, sometimes they don't have any ailments other than they're just discouraged. So let's remember all of these in prayer and ask the Lord to move in a mighty way. If you have a prayer request you'd like to make known by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. He knows what that means. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you blessed us to be gathered here together in your precious name. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for brother and sister DeBarge, Lord. I pray that you would just give them the healing they need. I pray, Lord, that you would touch in a mighty way all of those on our prayer list from the first one on the prayer list to the last one on the prayer list all of those who have COVID all of those who are sick with flu all of those who have strep throat I pray Lord that you would just begin to bring healing to their bodies right now I pray Lord that you would move in a mighty and miraculous way for Sister Ruby Lester that you would give her healing in her hip Lord I pray that you would touch each and every one that raised their hand in this sanctuary, that, Lord, you would get to glory as we put our faith in you, for it's all in the mighty name of Jesus we ask and pray, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap, and uh, we certainly appreciate you standing for that, and we're going to get right into uh, the word of the Lord, and uh, ask the Lord to move in a mighty way as we teach the word. So uh, we want to go to John, and I love studying the word of the Lord. I love to study not only uh, things that I know, I like to study things I don't know. And uh, sometimes I study the things I don't know more than the things I know because I need to know what I don't know, you know. There you go. All right, John chapter 1 and verse number 1, we will begin and it sounds familiar because we all have read this scripture and talked about this scripture. And uh, we can read in Genesis 1 and 1, and then we can jump in John 1 and 1, and we see a similarity. 
In John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, not them. And without Him, not them, was not anything made that was made. You know, pronouns are so important today. People are to be getting truth left and right. Amen. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 10 is a very important verse. He was in the world... And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And verse 14 is where we want to stop at this morning. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, uh, and we beheld his glory as the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. I want to read that again. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we want to just talk a little bit this morning. Our lesson is talking about the word being made flesh. I'm glad that he came. Without him coming and giving his life, none of us would be saved. None of us could be saved. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So I want to study this this morning with a thankful heart. Look at somebody and say, have a thankful heart. Have a thankful heart. And uh, you may be seated. The truth about God is he has always been there was never a beginning for him. There was never an ending for him. And we find that with that understanding, we know that when we turn in John, and what I like about John, John starts talking about Jesus being God. He starts talking about his deity. He starts talking about how that uh, he's more than a man, more than a cop carpenter more than somebody who just walked the shores of Galilee and fed people and done good things he was more than a man there was a, a a person nearby who wrote a song years ago he was more than a man and truly he was more than a man and we find this because we understand that in the beginning was the word and, you know, when God spoke, that's his word. He began to speak, and things began to happen. Things began to be created. So when we look at this and say, in the beginning was the word, we understand you can't separate the word from God. You can't separate your word from you. When you speak, people know it's your voice. When you speak, people know it's you. When Brother Larry talks to me, I don't hear Sister Racine's voice coming out of his body. If it did, I'd lay hands on him. And... But I hear his voice. You can't separate his word from him. You can't separate my word from me. And that's the same way. God cannot be separated from his word. 
He spoke and things began to happen. And this is where a lot of people get confused is they think, well, I read here where it says all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Well, he created all things. And we understand that in verse 3. But we also understand when things were created, what did God do? Spoke. He spoke. If you read Genesis, let me take you back to Genesis 1. We got we to get a little Bible background here. We go to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was that without form and void, and darkness was was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters now here's verse 3 God begins to talk God said let there be light and what there was light things begin to be created things begin to come into view and we find that in verse 3 talking about Jesus talking about the word being made flesh we'll talk about that later but we're talking about the word which can't be separated from God because it is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? God. That's what the Bible says. And verse 3 says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So nothing was made without Him. And we got to understand that that's why serving Jesus is not just serving Him to try to get to heaven without help. I'm glad he's our help. I believe that we serve Jesus and understand that he can still speak and our lives can change. He can speak and things turn around. He can speak and all of a sudden our sicknesses flee and our bodies get strong. He can speak and we can have a job when there is no jobs. I remember when there was, uh, I put my application in at Chisholm Cole and there was 50 people in front of me. And I remember the guy looked at me and said, if we can't get to you this time, we'll keep you in mind. Well, I knew you don't hire 50 people. They hadn't hired 50 people in the last two or three years. So I knew I'd never get hired if I didn't get hired that time. I said, well, I sure Appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity to interview. And I no sooner got home and the phone rang and it was Chisholm and they said, you want a, you want a job? And I, I said, yeah, I'll take it. And uh, the rest is history. Uh, you see, God can change things. You can be on the bottom of the pile and God will still let you shine. Oh, I'm going to help some of us because some of us feel like the world has just piled on us and it seems like that we're on the bottom of the pile. But the Lord says, wait a minute, I'm going to take this one out of the bottom of the pile and I'm going to let them shine. That's why you can shine. That's why you can shine. I'm glad to know that even in our day today, the Lord is still letting his people shine. Individual. He'll take an individual that the world looks at as being insignificant and nothing and, and can't do anything and, and start doing great things with them. And it's all because he just speaks to them. You see, what happened when Peter got out of a perfectly good boat? Jesus just spoke. That's all he did. He spoke, come. Now, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to think that some people says, well, you know, when he said come, that was so powerful that Peter uh, was, was like drawn with a rope around him out in to walk. I, I believe Peter had to have faith to step out of the boat. I believe he had to have faith to get out of that boat. But he heard the voice of the Lord. And the Lord said, come. 
So he knew if the word was spoken, he could do whatever the word said. That's why we should never get in a place where we feel like I can't do it. What does the word say? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So I don't worry about what I have to do. We can do it because the Lord is going to give us the power. His word tells us what we can do. It tells us what we can't do. It tells us what we should do. And I believe that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But not everybody does it. But I believe that once you get the Holy Ghost, you can't help but call him Lord. You can't help but call him God. You can't help but lift him up. Oh, I wish I had a little help in the house. We, we understand that when he speaks Things begin to change. That's why when the word is preached, I've heard people say, oh, I like them services where we just shout and run the aisles and, and, and uh, go home. No, I like them uh, services where we shout and run the aisles and have preaching. Amen. Amen. Because the word is what changes us. I don't know how many times over the years I was, I was repented in 1981. I don't know how many times over the years I was sitting in a congregation just like you are. And the preacher would preach, whether it was the home preachers or the evangelists or visiting ministry. And they would preach. And something they would say would quicken me and change me. Now, it wasn't the preacher. This is where a lot of people get messed up. They start worshiping the preacher and serving the preacher, following the preacher. And, and you know, uh, I know a preacher that was uh, from West Virginia, and, and he got a, a big following, and he went to another state, and they all followed him. It's just like, where you go, I'm going. They was Ruth and Naomi and all that for a while. But uh, I'm here to tell you that if you follow a man, a man will let you down. You're going to find that you're going to go, and the blind, if the blind lead the blind, what does the Bible say? Both fall in the ditch. Man, I tell you what, I don't want to fall in no ditch. You know what's in the ditch? Muddy water, yucky water, water that's run off from people's sewers and other stuff. I don't want to fall in the ditch. But you know what? If the Lord's word speaks to me and it quickens me, and that's what it does, it brings you to life, all of a sudden you begin to change. It changes you. There's something that uh, will change you. You may come in sad and, and uh, you know, pouting and, and doubting and all that. And then all of a sudden, the word goes forth and you start believing. And you start saying, hey, I can do that. I can overcome. I can go another day. I can keep serving him. Why? Because his word was preached to you. Faith comes by and hearing by the word. Amen. I'm glad y'all read your Bible. I told y'all. Uh, Wednesday night, y'all easy to pastor, y'all easy to pastor, I'm spoiled, I really am, I'm spoiled, uh, no we're not perfect and we ain't got everything figured out and I don't have to just go through life and never say anything, uh, I understand that I'm blessed though uh, because I know a lot of churches that don't have people that want to live right, they don't have people that, that know the word and they'll believe anything. And that's the thing. Don't just believe it because somebody says it. Believe it because it's written in the book. Amen. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this lesson this morning. Uh, but you see, we find that it was in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And um, 
we begin to see that it says the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. I'm glad I got life. Uh, there's a song that says, I just started living. I found me a brand new life. He changed my direction. Took away all my strife. I'm a newborn believer. Oh, I'm glad for that song. I'm glad that I have heard his word. He's the creator. He's the giver of life. He can give you life. He can take your life. And that's why we got to be very careful when we're serving the Lord that we don't, you know, upset him and do something that would cause him to want to take our life. So he's the giver of life. He's the, he can take your life. And his words will speak life to our situation. You can take a dead church and preach to it, and it comes to life. And somebody say, well, I'm not so sure about that, Pastor. Dead churches are dead churches. Well, let me tell you how much faith I've got. There was a prophet one time that was taken and let down in the middle of the valley of dry bones. And oh, they was dry. They was very dry, is what the Bible says. They were just terribly dry. And uh, he was sitting down there, and the, and the Lord just begins to talk to him. All right, can these bones live? Oh, well, you know, Lord. Only you know if they can live or not. He said, then prophesy, which means preach to them, speak to them. You see, dead churches don't have to be dead. I'll tell you why dead churches are dead. is because there's no preaching going on. Oh, I'm going to help us. If you want a concert, you can find one at the Expo Center. You can find one uh, down at Prestonburg. You can find one in uh, Kingsport. You can find them all over the place. But if you want church... Oh, somebody say, I want some church. If you want church, then you're going to have to have the preaching of the Word. Because the Word brings life. Speaking life. You see, His Word is sharp as, as a two-edged sword. It's quick. You know what that means. It don't mean it goes fast. <laughs> that means it brings to life. When the Word of God is spoken, people live. And these bones live? Only you know, Lord. Well, you prophesy to them. And he started prophesying. He prophesied to the wind. He prophesied before the bones. And he said, hear the word of the Lord. Notice what he said to them. He didn't say, hear the word of me. Because my word means nothing. His word means everything. So spoke the word to them. And all of a sudden, there was a shaking going on. And a rattling going on. And the next thing you know, bone came to bone. And all of a sudden, all of that was dry and parched, began to just come together. And that's the way it is in church when we come to the house of the Lord and the preaching of the word goes forth. What used to be broken apart now comes together. What used to be dry now is alive. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this. I'm glad that we have life. And more abundantly, life and more abundantly. The Bible says that he was in the world. Jesus looked at them and he was talking and they said, wait a minute. Who can forgive sin save God? He said, well, I'll just let you know. I'm going to prove I'm God because it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven or take up your bed and walk. 
You see, Jesus had to prove a lot of times who he was. And he said, except you believe I am he, you shall die in your sins. So we understand that Jesus gave his word to them many, many times. But looking that he was in the world, they did not believe he was in the world. They said, you're not yet 50 years old and you say that you know our father Abraham. Abraham, of course, lived in the Old Testament. They're in the New Testament. And of course, they didn't have Old and New Testament. They had the law and they had their present day. But we understand that when they were talking, they said, you are not yet 50 years old and you're saying that you know Abraham. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I'm glad to know that he just spoke the word to him. You know, you can dispel um, deception. You can dispel all sorts of wrong ideologies and things like that simply by speaking the word. How many times has somebody come up to you and said, oh, this is in the Bible, and you say, no, it ain't. And you have to show them, right? How many times has somebody misquoted something or mis misrepresented something? You say, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this. I believe that sometimes if we would stick to speaking the word, we could put the devil to flight. We, we, could, we could make life come into our homes we could revitalize marriages and revitalize families and revitalize communities if we would just simply preach the word. If every church preached the word, believed the word, and followed the word, they wouldn't be none of this, uh, well, I'm going to go here because I, I can live less, or I'm going to go over here because they don't require this of me. Everybody would be preaching and teaching the same thing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Of course, it don't happen. But I believe that we got to preach and teach the same thing. If we could just get apostolic churches to preach and teach the same thing, we'd be doing a great job. But you got all sorts of opinions and all sorts of things that people says that they, they feel this about this or that about that. And next thing you know, you got all sorts of uh, ideas. I just want the word. That's all I want. I just want the word. Um, you know, the Bible opens... With the immortal words. How many believes the, the word of God is, is immortal? Which means it lives on and on. It's forever settled in heaven and there's no changing it. How many believes that? Give a hand clap if you believe that. I believe that too. Because I believe that once he spoke the word, he doesn't repent. Right? That's what the Bible says. God don't repent. He speaks the word, but he don't bring it back. Now, he, he can change his mind about judgment or something like that. Of course, we know in the Old Testament, uh, there was times when God said, Step aside, I'm going to kill every one of them. And the man of God said, Wait a minute, you killed them, you might as well kill me. And he interceded and God spared them. I believe that sometimes we need to understand the power of the word. The power of the word. Because see, sometimes... Uh, we don't remind God of what he says, but we speak to him what he says because his word is power. So if we say, I can look into the hills from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. Of course, the Lord didn't speak those exact words, but he inspired a man to say those things. Some things are inspired a man. A man. Some things God commanded man to write. 
And when we begin to get the difference and understand the difference, a lot of times we'll have a greater understanding of the word. Symbols, uh, you know, uh, symbolic um, and symbolism, I should say, and uh, types and shadows play a part in Christianity. And uh, the most familiar symbol that if you was to say, show me a symbol of Christianity, most people would say a cross. Because everybody likes to, you know, have a cross. They got it hanging on their wall. They got it. Uh, man, I tell you what, uh, we, had, we had to uh, re renovate uh, a building. And it had crosses everywhere. And I had to take all them crosses off. <laughs> renovate the building. Because a lot of people had Jesus' picture hung up. Had to renovate the building. Because, you know, we, we understand there's a lot of symbolism. But I just, I just if I want to see Jesus, here's a couple ways I see Jesus. I look in his word, and I see him. And then I look in the faces of his people, and I see him. You see, people that are filled with the Holy Ghost, you, they shine with the brightness of the glory of God. So, so uh, you know, you can see uh, Jesus in them, I should say. So the symbolism, a lot of times, is just the cross. But uh, even the term Christian is a symbol of sorts. Uh, the first recorded use of the term in Scripture is found in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, where Luke noted, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Friends, neighbors, and associates saw striking similarities between the lifestyles of the first believers and Jesus. That's why they called them Christians, which means Christ-like. You know, people describe people a different way, uh, in different ways. They hear our accent and they say, oh, you're from Appalachia. Yeah, yeah. Or you hear somebody talk and they're talking, we, we in Appalachia and always say they're talking proper. Right? It just means they have an accent of the, of the place they live. And uh, the way their accent is, I remember flying to Florida. And uh, I sat beside of an elderly lady and, and she was talking. And she had an accent that was very distinguishable. And uh, she uh, asked me where I was from. And I told her because she couldn't tell by my accent. I've had people tell me I don't normally sound like a hillbilly. And I work very hard to try not to, but I still shine every now and then. Uh, but uh, she was sitting there, and she, she began to talk to me, and she said, Can you guess where I'm from? I said, I may not guess the city, but I'll tell you where you're from. You're from the northeast in the U.S. She said, You're right. You're right. How do you know that? I said, By your accent. And uh, then she showed me her her jacket, and it had like a New England Patriots on it. And so, so, so that kind of gave everything away. But uh, I, I, we talked and we laughed and uh, talked about just life and uh, where we was from and all that and got to know one another. And then when we got off the flight, I said, see you. Hope you have a great time. And I'll probably never see that person again. But it's an opportunity that we can speak things that can Make someone's day a little brighter or maybe make them smile a little bit. But the Lord, when he speaks his word, that should bring a smile to us. And we find that Christians were first called Christians at Antioch because they saw a similarity. They said, 
Jesus did that. Oh, if I could ever be accused of anything, I would love to people just accuse me instead of being a rotten scoundrel, no good, this, that, or the other, that people would just look at me and say, he reminds me of some of the things Jesus done. Jesus walked like that. Jesus talked like that. Jesus prayed like that. Jesus did those things. And see, that's why when they saw the similarity between the people, because here's what people do today. People will look at somebody going to a certain church and they say, oh, those are, and just say, um, I don't know, uh, Mennonites, uh, uh, maybe, uh, you know, Amish. Uh, you, you look at them and the way they talk, the way they look, the way they dress, and you know what they're connected with because they're doing everything that maybe John Smith and all the rest of them guys did. No, not up on Smithport, just John, John Smith. <laughs> but we find that if we're not careful, uh, we, we won't resemble Jesus. And when we quit resembling Jesus, people walk into church and they get confused because they say, I thought this was a godly church. I thought this was a holy church. I thought this was a Jesus' name church. I thought this was something of people following Jesus and, and trying to be like Jesus. And like the song says, I want to be like Jesus. So we got to understand that there's a lot of things that many times when you look at and you read, people are called by different names uh, connecting them with whatever church they attend. Like they might look at us and say, oh, them's holy rollers. You know, that's, that's the old term. Sometimes people might say, oh, that's Jesus' name people. Or somebody might say, oh, that's them new light. I never, I never quite understood this as for my time. But uh, I was told that years ago, and this has been years and years ago, that people would call apostolic people new lights. And I thought, new lights? And then I read verse number 9, and uh, it said, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So, yeah, I guess it was a new light to some people. And so they, they tagged us new lights. There's a lot of things we're tagged as. And we can take the tags, hashtag this. That's what you do on the computers nowadays. All the kids hashtag something. Hashtag love Jesus. Hashtag, uh, you know, going to town. Hashtag this, that, or the other. But you know what? I want them to hashtag me as looks like Jesus, talks like Jesus, acts like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. We find that he is the true light. And we find that he uses his words to speak life to us. And as born-again believers, our mission is the same as that of John the Baptist, to bear witness of the light. We got to bear witness of who? Who's the light? Jesus. We got to bear witness of Jesus. We got to tell people about Jesus. Oh, they know me. That don't make no difference. You still got to tell them about Jesus. Oh, they know who I am. They know where I go to church. That's not what the Bible's telling us here. We got to tell people about Jesus because people can care less where you go to church. They, they even care less where you live, what community. But if you can talk about Jesus to somebody, then they're going to start realizing that they need a Savior. 
They're going to see a resemblance. You see, people sometimes just need to tell. An alcoholic sometimes just need to be told, you need an intervention. You need to get delivered from this. You know, sometimes that's happened. Sometimes that's just the way it is. Sometimes you have to be tough love. Anybody ever heard of tough love? Sometimes you have to give tough love. You have to tell people like it is. I, I sometimes, you know, can preach to people and, and uh, not have a, uh, one of them, you know, uh, podium pounding hellfire messages and people come and give their life to Jesus. And then sometimes people sit there so much you have to make so much noise just to get their attention so you can tell them about Jesus. Amen. So uh, you got you got you fish different way, don't you, brother Jimmy Dub? You got different bait that you use, and if you hunt, you got different guns you use for different game. You don't go bear hunting with a BB gun, <laughs> and you don't go squirrel hunting with a, you know a thirty out six. You can, but uh, I wouldn't advise it. And uh, so there's different ways of getting to different people. That's what we got to do. But we got to be like Jesus. We got to be like Jesus. Um, as a born again believer, our mission should be like John the Baptist. John the Baptist came to bear witness of the life that all men through him might believe. Wouldn't it be great if somebody came to the altar and they said, I went to that altar because of you? Wouldn't that be great? Say, well, what did I do? You told me about Jesus. You told me I needed the Lord, and then the Lord began to deal with me, and I went to that altar. Because of you, I came to my first church service. Because of you, I came to the first Easter program. Because of you, I came to the first Christmas program. You see, we can get people, sometimes it's a one and done. Sometimes people will come one time, and they're done. And then sometimes people come one time, and, and they may go down the road another year or two, and then all of a sudden they remember, I remember that church. I want to go back and take another visit. I want to go another time. I've heard people, these are mostly people that are interviewed as musicians, and almost everybody starts out singing in the choir at church. Almost every musician, I'm talking country, western, um, gospel, um, uh, you know, rock and roll, whatever. They started uh, in church. And uh, I thought about that because a lot of times they go down the road of the prodigal son. They waste all their substance on riotous living. And they do all these things that they shouldn't be doing and not caring about father's house or anything like that. And then somewhere it clicks. Somewhere they wake up, they come to themselves, and they begin to think, oh, that little country church. I remember as a boy sitting on the seat. Me and Brother Larry would go preach at Big Sandy USP prison, and some of those kids were, uh, some of those guys were taken as kids to Sunday school by their grandmother and uh, sat on a pew, and they say, I remember those songs. I can still hear the songs in my ear, like, like, uh, you know, um, shall we gather at the river or the old rugged cross? And, and they would start talking about that. And, and, and I began to think how 
much the Word of God is instilled into lives of individuals that they may go down that road of destruction. We may have family members that right now so far from God that we just wondering, are they ever going to be woke up and come back? But somewhere down the line at their lowest moment or at some moment in their life when they're so empty, they're going to say, oh, I remember that little country church. I remember those songs that praise team sung. I remember the musicians. Oh, I want to hear. I long to hear. And if you don't think that's part of life, I'm going to tell you something. Even David longed for a drink from the well of Bethlehem. That's how much what you have had instilled in you pulls at you the rest of your life. That's why the Bible says to raise a child in the way it should go. And when it's old, it won't depart from it. That's going to be with them. Whether they come back, whether they obey, that's up to them. We can't make people repent. But one thing we know is we keep pouring into people. We got to keep speaking the word. We got to keep telling people how good Jesus is. Somebody comes up and says, boy, I tell you what, I'm having a worst day ever. Look at them and say, well, you know what? Let's just pray about this. Let's, let's ask Jesus to help us make it better. That's how you deal with all the deadness and negativity and all these things that's going on in the world, we say, you know what? I'm going to speak the Word. Because the Word brings comfort. The Word brings strength. The Word encourages us. The Word helps us to find the right path. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is all that. We find the importance of speaking the Word into the lives of people. That's why you have to be careful who you listen to, whether it is internet, radio, television, whatever it is. You have to be careful who you listen to because people's pouring into your life. And whatever they pour into your life, you're going to remember that or you're going to start speaking that. You're going to become what is poured into your life. And so these people said, well, these Christians, these people that look like Christ, act like Christ, and, and do all these things, we're going to call them Christians because they're Christ-like. And so they begin to take them and they say, I see a people that reminds me of how Jesus was. I, wanna, I want people to identify me with Jesus. Anybody want to be identified with Jesus? Amen. I want to be identified with Jesus. I believe that the world did not receive him because they didn't want to be like him. In fact, they loved darkness more than light. The world we're living in is a dark world. They love sin. You don't have to guess if people love sin. You know, used to back in the day, people might hide their drinking, their drugs, their lifestyle. You don't see people hiding anything anymore. They love sin. They want it on the front row. It, it's everything from the military on down to our houses and our communities that people are just starting to pour sin out in the streets and pour sin all around our young people and all around our older people. And, and we got to kind of keep our head above sin and let the Word be our rescue. So we got to keep believing it because there's a lot of people pouring stuff out that is not of God. There's a lot of people pouring stuff out that is not of God. I want to be like Jesus. 
I began to look and I began to think of how that we have received grace. We're saved by grace. Um, we, we, once we're saved, there's things we have to do to stay saved, but we're saved by grace. You can't work your way into being saved. You can't do certain things, dress a certain way, act a certain way, and say, well, I'm saved. No, anybody can dress a certain way. Anybody can act a certain way. There's a lot of actors that do a lot of acting, and, uh, and, and they're no more saved than a man in the moon. Uh, there's people that will dress modest, but their heart is black as coal. We find that the Word was made flesh and brought grace and truth to us. We find that if we will look, Jesus was the Word and He was made flesh and He came to fulfill the words of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the book. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. Everything. You might say, I like them old stories about David and the giant and the three Hebrew boys and the fiery furnace and Daniel and the lion's den. I like them too. But that really ain't what we should be impressed with. We should be impressed with the God that delivered Daniel, the God that delivered Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and the God that brought the giant down. So if we can get impressed with God, and, and you know, there was a time when they came through and they called the place Bethel, which means house of God. And then when he come back through, he said, I'm not just going to call this place Bethel anymore. I'm going to call it El Bethel. El Bethel means the God of the house of God. We got to get, you know, I, I appreciate the, what the Lord has done here. It's a beautiful building, house of God. But you know what I appreciate more? It's God of the house of God. Right? God of the house of God. I began to think about all this and how important it is that we come together and we say, you know what? I want to see Jesus in you. I want to see Jesus in you. And I believe that if we can put the word in our life and, and start letting it pour into us, then we will become like the Lord. And we will be identified as People say they've been with Jesus. You know, the disciples one time did, spoke and did a lot of things, and some people said, well, they're just ignorant and unlearned fishermen. They ain't got no education. All they do is fish all the time. So that's all they are. But, they said, and it's written in the Word, but we took notice. They've been with Jesus. There had to be a difference. Their education didn't change because they knew Jesus. Their fishing didn't change because they knew Jesus. So it had to be something about their demeanors, their demeanor, their uh, character, their attitude, and their appearance that caused them to say, but they've been with Jesus. Oh, I want people to know. I, I was uh, somewhere at, at a school event. And it's been several years back, and there was uh, some folks that attended here that was there, and somebody walked up to me and said, uh, I saw some of your people over there. Ain't that them over there? And I looked over there, and yeah, long hair and, and skirts. And uh, I said, yep, yeah, it's, it's some people that attend the church. So you see, you're identified. 
You're identified. We got to stay identified. The world is trying to erase identity. Now, if you don't think they are, I'm going to help you. The transgender movement is to erase identity. It's to take female out of the picture, male out of the picture, and be a pronoun. That's what it's about. It's to erase everything that God says. Now, when some people get in political office, they, they erase everything the previous politician did. You know, if a politician uh, put into law one thing, they'd say, no, I veto that and I'm going to put this into law. Because everybody wants to prove their own point and do their own thing, right? Even, even pastors and churches, uh, you know, whoever takes over the next pastor of this church, they'll say, oh, I, I don't like the way Brother McKinney did that, so I'm going to do it this way. They got their own idea, you know, of doing things. But I'd like to just take us down this road just for a moment and let us know that if we don't have an identity with Christ, if we don't maintain our true identity as the people of God, that this world is trying to erase everything that God's Word has recorded. God said He created male and female. What do they want to do? Erase that. Erase that. He called homosexuality an abomination. What do they want to do? Erase that. They want to erase that. We're, we're living in a world with a big eraser. And they want to erase everything the Word of God says. It started years ago. Churches that used to live holy and acceptable unto the Lord decided... I'm not going to live that way no more. I don't think we have to dress a certain way. I don't think we have to quit doing certain vices. Next thing you know, one church bled to another church to another church. And that's how all this got started. And then people started saying, well, let's not stop at the dress standard. Let's just uh, go into the doctrine. And let's just say that we're going to change how people believe. And that we'll make them doubt that God can do anything. We'll make them put aside the word of God and start picking up philosophies and what people say and what people do. And that is why our world is in the shape it's in. We quote presidents many times from Washington, Abraham Lincoln, right on down the line that quoted biblical scriptures in the time of their deepest crisis. You won't hear that in our world today. They won't quote the Bible in their deepest crisis. They want to quote some uh, leader's word or some uh, reference uh, of some past leader. They don't want to talk about God. Oh, I'm glad that we are here this morning and we're not drowned by the sin around us. But we are rising above the sin because the word keeps getting poured into our life. Every Sunday morning, I need the word poured into my life. Every Sunday day, I need the word poured into my life. Come Tuesday night or Wednesday night, I need the word poured into my life. Guess what? If you don't hear the word, pretty soon the word becomes dull to you and nothing convicts you anymore. You know, if, if we're not careful and we quit 
reading the word and doing the word and obeying the word and listening to friends, family, and other people, we'll start letting the word of God grow dim in our life. And when the light goes out, there's nothing but darkness. People do things they said they would never do. I know people that said, you know, I'll never do this. And then when they quit serving the Lord, that's the first thing they did. I know people that the first thing they did when they quit serving the Lord, start going and sleeping with everybody they could find. I know people that when they quit serving the Lord, they, they, they picked up vices, bad habits. Next thing you know, the word don't convict them anymore. You talk to them, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it. No, I'm done with church. You better never be done with church. You better never be done with Jesus Christ. You better pray that there's a preacher that's going to speak the word into your life every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Tuesday. I, I believe that we got to have the word spoken into our life because the word brings light. And we got to have light in this dark world. We got to be a light in this dark and perverse generation. How many believes this is a perverted world? It's very perverted. That's what perverse means. See, the Bible already told us a long time ago what's coming. And now that it's here, many people's doubting that that's what the Bible was talking about. But if you doubt that's what the Bible's talking about, I don't know what you're looking for. Because I'm going to tell you, the evil of the day, the vices of the day, the way people live today, and all that they're going through today is what the Bible said that people are going to be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. They're going to serve the creature more than the creator. They're going to walk in darkness because they hate the light. And then at the last breath, they want the light to come into their life. we got to be careful. All of this funeral preaching, you need to turn your hearing aids down. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you go to some funerals, you'll hear that everybody makes it to heaven. I ain't heard nobody say somebody went to hell yet. And I've been, I've been serving the Lord since 1981. I've been to a lot of funerals, and nobody, not one preacher got up and said, Family, I'm sorry, this guy's going to hell. Not one time. It's, oh, he's in heaven. You can rest assured, no more pain, you know. People say that all the time when somebody may die lost of, and they die of cancer or something. They say, oh, he, no more pain. No, he getting ready to have some pain more than the cancer ever was. We got to let the word be poured into our life. I want to I kind of come to a close with that this morning because if the word is not poured into our life, what happens? We start growing dim. The, the darkness of the world will cover you up. If, if at night time, 12 o'clock at night, you're here in this sanctuary and we turn off the lights, it's pitch dark. But one person can get their phone out and they can turn on that little flashlight right there and it'll brighten up enough to where you can see to walk around and everything. You see, one little light. No wonder we taught the kids, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
Let it shine, 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 let it shine. You see, we got to teach our young people, our kids, to let their light shine. You're not like the world. I'm sure the Hebrew mommies rocking their babies in their arms saying, you ain't like the other people. You ain't like the Egyptians. You're not going to be like the Egyptians. Those Egyptians are, are, are different people. They serve different gods. We serve the one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Rocking their babies in their arms, telling them that. Because they didn't want their children to grow up confused about who they are. Don't let your children grow up confused. Get them in the house of God. Get them in youth service. Well, they like to sleep in. I can't get them. You the parent, ain't you? <laughs> My child would have had one time to tell me, no, I'm not going to Sunday school this morning. I'd brought her in her nightgown. I'd say, yeah, you are. You're coming. You know why? Because the church, the word, is the most important thing they'll ever be exposed to. Amen. You can expose them to reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's great. They're going to need it to succeed in this world. But I'm going to tell you, that ain't going to save them. You're going to have to teach them about Jesus. You're going to have to tell them about the Lord. I want, I want to close with this because, uh, you know, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. That's in John 1.18. When Philip said, Lord, show us the Father... Jesus responded, have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. He wanted a picture. He wanted a, a, a you know, a, an image. He said, show us the Father and I'll be satisfied. And he said, have I been so long time with you? You don't even know me. You see... Jesus was there showing them he was the I am. He is the I am. He, he is God manifest in the flesh. He is God Almighty. He is what Isaiah 9 and 6 says. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God. And he tried to tell everybody. And they kept rejecting. Even the people around him didn't fully grasp it. And he'd look at them and say, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Now, when you see me, you don't see my Father. You see a resemblance. And the older I get, the more I look like him, thank God. And uh, you know what? But if, if you say, show me your Father, well, I'd have to show you pictures. I couldn't say, when you see me, you've seen my Father. I'd have to show you an actual picture. So with closing with that, even the best among us demonstrate inconsistencies and flaws. Even at our best, we're still imperfect people. And I'm glad that God still is merciful to imperfect people. Because where would any of us be today if we had to be perfect in every way? I believe that we are in the spirit striving for perfection but I don't believe any of us can say well I'm perfect I'm perfect I'm not perfect I'm not the perfect pastor I'm not the perfect bass player I'm not the perfect uh, anything I'm not a perfect husband but you know what I strive to be I strive to be God bless you this morning